How many of you would say, show of hands, you've gotten something out of this series so far? How many of you, how many of you have been challenged by it? How many of you have like, man, it's, it's dug a little deep? Can we put our hands together for Pastor Erica? Last weekend's message on offense. What a great message. Today, we're going to push it a little bit further. Um, I know that for some of us today, this is going to be an extremely challenging message. Um, and for others, others of us, you're just going to want me to shout, shout me down the whole time. Uh, but either way, no matter where you're at with this message today, uh, I hope we can grab a hold of what God is saying. I want to take us to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verses 13 through to 25. Um, the first few verses give us context for the sake of time because I've got a ton of work that I want to do. Uh, I want to highlight what these first few verses are about. It's Jesus. He's coming into the temple. Um, he's found a lot of things happening in his temple that he disagrees with. He's a little frustrated by. And so many of you have, uh, have read this moment. Jesus starts flipping over tables and he starts telling people to leave. And he's like, you got to get these doves out of here and you got to get all these like farm animals out of here. Like, what are you doing in, in my house? And so all of this takes place. And how many of you know, uh, just understanding Jesus, that would be a jarring moment. Right, because we expect Jesus to be and to, to facilitate life in a different way, don't we? And so this is what's really interesting because then there's this really powerful verse that many of us miss on the backside of this moment. It's verse 23, watch what happens. It says, while he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Right here we see Jesus setting something up and it's gonna be the topic of our message today. He's setting up boundaries. Every shout boundaries. Jesus is saying, and Jesus is understanding what is inside of man, what man, human is capable of. And so because of that, he didn't entrust himself to man. He had certain boundaries that he would put up. And so today, as we continue on in our series, Shadows in the Light, I want to speak to you from this subject today. Stop playing in the kitchen. As we deal with the issue of boundaries and their ability to help maintain the health of our souls. We pray with me just one more time today. Father, we thank you for your word, that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, right now, I ask that you would speak to us. God, we let go of all the things that are happening outside and around us right now. We just focus our time and our attention on you. May your presence be in this room right now, God. Give us clarity of thought. And, Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way, that these would be your words, not my words. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted. Everybody shouted. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Santi up here and my man, Chris. If you don't know Chris, Chris is our youth director here uh, at the well. So come on, put your hands up as I invite these guys up. Um, last year, we had a staff day, staff and family day, and we found ourselves at a gym and we took over the whole gym. So we did kickball, we did basketball, we did volleyball, uh, all the sports were going on. But then there was this section that distracted a few of us at great degrees and measure, and it was the pickleball section. How many of you have played pickleball before? Awesome, cool, this is, this is the crew then, okay. And so you, you're gonna understand a lot of the rules. I didn't understand when I first started playing pickleball with Chris, all of the rules, and so Chris spent the time, you guys can start playing. Um, Chris spent a lot of the time as we were there 
uh, explaining the rules to us uh, when he felt it was necessary to explain the rules to us. Have you ever played with that person before? They keep the rules close to the chest until it doesn't benefit them anymore. Um, and so Chris would explain how things go. Chris would tell us where the ball could be placed when we started the game and, and uh, when you had to actually hit the ball, when you could engage in the actual game after the serve, how, how, the, <laughs> how the serves had to go. But then Chris explained something to us because I started to do it a lot and I, I'd find myself where Santi is at right now and Chris said something and subsequently as he passed these rules on to me, it's a really important rule, it's stay out of the kitchen. Okay? And so I think you guys can see this. The team's got cameras up here. There's this section of the boundary lines that have been created. And this little block right here and right here is the amount of space that you are not allowed to go into. It's called the kitchen. And then Chris sent me these rules. He said, the kitchen, the reason that you cannot stay or be or play in the kitchen is because it stops you from consistently smashing the ball into the other person's side. Y'all with me? You gotta stay out of the kitchen. The kitchen was created, and I quote, to prevent excessive smashing. Thanks, Chris, for those words. That was awesome. Here's what I want us to see. The reason that some of us are experiencing what we are experiencing life, the reason that some of us are experiencing what we are experiencing in our soul is because we haven't created a kitchen and we are the recipients of excessive smashing. And we wonder what is going on inside of me. Is it possible that you haven't figured out how to say these words yet? Stop playing in the kitchen. Come on, can we put our hands together for these guys right here? <laughs> Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud writes this, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of personal ownership. You see, a lot of people get fidgety when the topic of boundaries comes up in church, and not because they deem boundaries as bad necessarily, but rather because it seems more like a counseling talk or a pop psychology talk or a self-help material. But this couldn't be further from the truth. Because boundaries are deeply rooted in robust theological truth and application. I want to say this before we go further as well. I've noticed and have had enough conversation over the, over the past little while, over these services, in between services, and now over the past couple of weeks where the issue of boundaries, we struggle with it as well, is because we somehow seemingly see Jesus as somebody who didn't have boundaries. We divorce Jesus from certain things in the Bible, and we simply see him as a man who was passive, and allowed everything and anything to happen to him. But the truth is, is that couldn't be further from the truth. Can we all agree that Jesus is represented? He is holistically God in total. That means he is God of the Old Testament and he is God of the New Testament. Y'all with me? And so we have to make sure that we don't divorce certain aspects of who Jesus is in the name of not doing certain things. And one of those certain things would be boundaries. Y'all with me? Everybody shout boundaries. Boundaries are deeply theological and rooted in the Bible. According to the Pocket Dictionary of Apologetics and Philosophy of Religion, this is how theology is defined. The ordered, systematic study of God and of God's relation to his creatures. So theology helps us understand 
how God interacts with you and with me. Y'all tracking still? And this is really important because if we can understand how God interacts with you and with me, it also helps us create principles necessary for your life and my life as we interact with other creatures of God's creation. The people sitting next to you, every turn to your neighbor say, we're talking about boundaries. Every turn back to them and say, stay out of my kitchen. (laughs) If you turn to Genesis chapter one, and you look at verses one to 27, you're gonna find a discourse in boundary making. God is going to speak. Maybe you've heard this before, read this before. He's gonna, and, and the Bible will say this, and God said, right? How many have heard this before? And God said. And it's all of these different moments that God was saying stuff that, that things started to happen in creation. He'd say, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. There was shout boundaries. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating them from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. What's he talking about here? It says it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then the morning, the second day. Boundaries. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Every shout, boundaries. And God called the dry land earth. And as you Continue on through these 27 verses, you're gonna see moment after moment after moment of God establishing, everybody shout boundaries. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Somebody shout boundaries. God loves boundaries so much that it was one of the first things he did in creation. It was the setting of these boundary lines that things were then named and given identity. Water, sky, Land, light, darkness, male, female, morning, night. It was with boundaries that God, check this out, he established order. With boundaries, God established meaning, value, purpose, and function. So we must understand that boundaries are deeply rooted in the nature and character of God. Someone shout boundaries. This would be what the psalmist would assess in Psalm 74, verse 17, when he writes this, you set all the boundaries of the earth. You made summer and winter. Anybody thankful that we're out of winter going into summer? Come on, somebody. But the Old Testament and the New Testament consists of the defining of boundaries known as covenants. All this is to say that God is a God of boundaries. If we examine the life and ministry of Jesus, we would see that he would set boundaries and at times very practical ones. John chapter 15, or 14, verses 15 to 18 says this. This is Jesus speaking, just so we're all very clear. Jesus' words, if you love me, you will keep my commands. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Howie. One of us was excited about that one. Let's try it again. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Maybe another way I would say it is if you love me, you will keep my boundaries, right? See, love was defined within boundaries for those of us who believe that love is the removal of boundaries. Jesus is telling us, no, love is actually seen in the definition of boundaries. John chapter 21, 23 to 22, I love this piece of scripture. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, okay? So I want you to get this picture because the The wording, it gets a bit clunky, so I want us to develop what's happening. So they turn around. 
Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following him. So there's this guy back over here, okay? The one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper. And this is what Peter asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? That's a really interesting question. Peter's getting into some business that doesn't belong to him to get into. But he looks back at this disciple, Jesus, like, who's the one who's gonna betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Now I want you to pause for just a second. Could you imagine, here's Peter hanging out with the disciples, Jesus, and pretty much goes, hey, Jesus, is he gonna betray you? He's, he's trying to figure out who it's gonna be. And this is what Jesus says in verse 22. If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. This is what Jesus was saying. Stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I, I understand what's going on. His life and what's going on with him, that's none of your business. So he created a boundary with Peter to say, you need to keep your nose in your space and let me deal with what I need to deal with in my space. Someone shout, stay out of the kitchen. Matthew chapter 16, verses 23 to 24 says this, Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. None of you have ever had a friend say that before. Now, Jesus is speaking to Peter because Peter was putting his nose into business that he didn't need to get involved in. What Peter was doing is he was lamenting. He was saying, Jesus, I'm not gonna let you go to this place where you're gonna be killed. You're gonna be taken from us. I can't, I can't let this happen. And so Jesus turns to Peter and says this, get behind me, Satan. Why does he say it? You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Jesus said, Peter, stay out of the kitchen. You are trying to engage in something that you have no business engaging in. Jesus set up boundaries with Peter, why? Because Peter was living according to human desires and not walking with Jesus according to God's plan. I work to build this case so that we can see when it comes to the issues of boundaries, we are not dealing with and examining something that's out there. We're actually dealing with and examining a very biblical concept, one that when put into practice within our own lives, mirrors a value system that has been created and established by God. Someone shout boundaries. boundaries. Maybe write this down if you're taking notes today. Boundaries are a heavenly order established within our earthly context. Boundaries are a heavenly order established within an earthly context. Now, Jen Wilkin, author, writes in her book, None Like Us, How God is Different from Us. This is what she writes. Listen, we are line crossers. Come on, somebody. I love how she just calls this out. Boundary breakers. Anybody know anybody like this? Fence jumpers. Carrying inside of us a warped belief that our heavenly parent wants to withhold from us something that is needful or pleasurable. Even as we enjoy his good gifts, we feel a hyper-awareness of the boundaries he has set, and we question their validity. Though he gives us 19 gifts and warns us away from one danger, we suspect that what is, is withheld is not dangerous, but desirable. See, the problem that many of us face today is that we have the inability to establish healthy boundaries in our lives because we fundamentally disagree with the ones that have been established for our lives. You hear me today? 
Because of this, our souls are in a constant state of diminishment due to the unregulated access that, becomes, that comes from unestablished lines in our lives. In other words, many of us struggle making boundaries in our lives because we struggle with the fact that God has given us boundaries for us to live by. And so we can't make the thing we hate. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And see, so some of us, the reason that we're struggling, the reason that our soul is getting smashed on and smashed on and smashed on and why we're going through what we're going through is because we can't build boundaries for our lives because we hate the very boundaries that have been created for us. So it seems hypocritical, doesn't it? There's like this, this line of hypocrisy. How can I force others or myself to live by boundaries when I myself hate boundaries? But I've also noticed that it's not just our inability to accept boundaries that stops us from establishing them. There's another issue at play. Our fractured and deeply flawed understanding of ourself, or better put, our identity, disables us from creating healthy and robust boundaries in our lives. Listen to author and pastor David Paul Tripp in his, or Paul David Tripp in his book, Lead. He says it like this. It's very clear from these passages and many more that identity in Christ is intended to be the defining element in the way that a believer makes sense out of who he is and what he's supposed to be doing. Any other identity will unsettle his heart, expose him to various ideologies, ask of creation what it cannot give, and cause him to step outside of God's wise and loving boundaries. Because identity is the ground of how we make sense of life. It is both a spiritual war and one of the ways the gospel gives us back our sanity and security. What he's saying is God's word defines for us who we are. It gives us an identity and we struggle with boundaries and creating boundaries because many of us don't have a secure and sound identity. And so therefore we do not value who we are and therefore we do not care if people keep on smashing in the kitchen. See, when we have a clear sense of identity rooted within a biblical framework, we leave, when we don't have this, we leave ourselves open and exposed to the chaotic winds of half-truths, vicious ideology, demonic influence, and self-hatred, all of which wreak havoc on the soul. I want to say this, write this down. A clear sense of identity is formed by boundaries. Psalm 139, 13 through to 18, helps define this for us. This for it says this, for you formed my inward parts. Man, if you feel like just shouting amen during this, go for it, because this is good news right here. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can we stop there for just a You are fearfully and wonderfully made. No, no, I would say it again. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, come on, someone's gotta get this Say, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I got to say this until someone gets it in their spirit today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the reason that we struggle with boundaries is because we don't believe that. We believe that God messed up somehow. And if you don't value something, you won't protect that thing. My frame was not hidden from you. He says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. 
In your book are written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, boundaries. Someone shout boundaries. Yet when there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast the sum of them. See, the boundary being established for us here in Psalm 139 is that we are the product of creative authority. You've been created. Now, I'm gonna just say this and step on people's ideological toes in here today. I know that there's a mix of us sitting in this room today that we, we believe different things and we believe different um, philosophies and ideas and, and even theologies. Can I just tell you that it's my job as your pastor to be very clear about what we believe. And we believe, I believe, unequivocally according to this word, that God created you. You are not the product of yourself. I mean, come on. That'd be a wild art project, wouldn't it? So guess what? You're, you ultimately don't get to define what you're worth. And that, that might be confusing. Think about this. You don't have authority to define what you're worth. You didn't make you. So God defines your worth because he made you. And he told us how much you and I are worth when he said, I spent time laboring over you. So you do not have the right or the authority to tell yourself or anybody else that they're not worth something. Why? Because you didn't make them. I didn't make me. You are of absolute value because God created you. We're not our own. We don't have total understanding of who we are because we did not make us. It's from his unique, creative, and authoritative position that we are formed. And therefore, we do not have the right to unmitigated and unbound self-governance. Boundaries are the lines of love put in place to protect his creation. You hear me say that? One more time. Boundaries are the lines of love put in place to protect his creation. Parents know this when you go to Disneyland. You have lines in place. When Eric and I took the kiddos to Disneyland, we had boundaries. And if people got too close to those boundaries, I strolled up to the boundary. And if the kids went past the boundaries, I reached over and I pulled them back into the square, right? They're boundaries. You couldn't see the lines, but what were you establishing something? What were we establishing? This creation, the three of these little creations were of immense value. So the last thing I wanted to see was somebody grab that creation, hurt that creation, or for that creation to go missing. And so we were very clear, kids, we move as a unit. You don't go somewhere where I'm not at. Come on, how many of you are with me? Why? Boundaries are lines of love. And yet I never heard my child turn around to me and say, dad, you're such a mean dad. I can't believe that you would hem us in like this. To which I would say to him, if that came out of his mouth, stay out of my kitchen. <laughs> We struggle with boundaries, don't we? Some of us struggle with the practical boundaries that life puts on us. I like how Ruth Haley Barton put it in her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. She writes this, living graciously within the boundaries of our life as it's been entrusted to us gives us life substance. Oddly enough, something of the will of God is contained in the very limits that we try to sidestep or ignore Living within limits is not in any way an acquiescence that is despairing, passive, or fatalistic. Rather, it honors the deepest realities of the life God has given us. 
Listen to this. And then she defines some space that if you think about this right now, some of us are uncomfortable within these boundary lines. Life in this body at this age and stage. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have gotten uncomfortable because you're like, man, I'm getting older. <laughs> Life in this age and stage. Eric and I, have, we, we want to we age gracious, gracious, grace. We want to age with grace. I want to learn how to talk uh, as well. So how do we, how do we age with grace? Well, my, my pants are going to get less tight. I can't roll with the kids anymore. But how many of you have seen the 65-year-old with a V-neck and skinny jeans? It looks weird. It's the third service. I love this service. Life in this body at this age and stage. Life in, in my family at this age and stage. It's amazing how many marriages we counsel. We're 40 years in and we're done. 40 years. Fight for that. Don't give up on it. And a lot of the reason is, is because we've changed. It's not as hot and sexy as it used to be. We got baggage and scars and wounds. Come on. You're right. It doesn't look how it was when you were in your 20s. But it wasn't meant to be. Why? Because God made boundaries. Those boundaries grow older. They have wisdom. There's different things that you then begin to appreciate it, but we jump ship on the things that God has for us because we get uncomfortable with the boundary lines of the practical life we live. Life in this personality. This is all her quotes. I'm just feeding off of them. Life with this community. Life in the midst of this calling. How many of you have ever found yourself frustrated at the boundary lines of your moment? So this is the duality in our life is that we struggle doing the things that are healthy because we struggle with the things that God has put in our life that is healthy. And we got to work through this thing. And so with the very little time that I have left, I want to try to get through five points today. <sighs> five truths we need to understand about boundaries. And here's what I want to say. We cannot drill into these with the depth that I would love to. and Maybe, maybe other parts of this series uh, we can get into a little bit deeper. So we're going to be at 30,000 feet with these. If you all just can like work with me on this and try to fill in some of the blanks because I know the questions that come out of these statements are like, well, what about this situation? And what about this person? And what about this? And what about that? Um, this is what I would say. Grab somebody from our team, our pastors. Find somebody to process through these things healthfully with, okay? Not some random Joe at Starbucks. Like find somebody, Right? <laughs> Uh, that's, that's healthy to process these things with. Five truths we need to understand about boundaries. Everybody shout number one. Boundaries are outward expressions of biblical convictions. That's what boundaries are. If you've ever wondered what a boundary is, boundaries are outward expressions of biblical convictions. Galatians chapter one, verses six to 10. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. 
As we have said before, and I now say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Here's where we really need to hear this. This is what Paul says. Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is saying that he's built some boundary lines in him and outside of him that are biblically created. He's saying my life now, the boundaries that you see, they are established by their outward expressions of biblical convictions. And he says it so much that he says, if somebody doesn't like me because of it, I don't have a problem with that. Boundaries are outward expressions of biblical convictions. This is why many of us do not build healthy biblical boundaries because we still don't know what we think about healthy biblical things. Another reason that we don't build biblical boundaries is because we still care more about what people think rather than what God has for us. When boundaries are based on biblical principles, it enables us to walk out a gospel life. And so I just wanna encourage us today, don't be afraid, don't be timid to have outward expressions of biblical convictions. Come on, (laughs) thank you. And I think we need it more now than we've ever needed it before. I'm not saying be mean, I'm not saying be a jerk, I'm not saying be arrogant, I'm just simply saying be unmovable. I, this, is, this is my conviction. Some of you are struggling that people are agreeing with this. This is church. <laughs> Biblical conviction. So here's one of the things. We've been asked a few times. Can I just be real, real with you in church today? I've had quite a few people ask me recently, how are, have you had the boldness to say some of the things that we've been saying over the past few months and year especially? I'll tell you why. Because they're not my thoughts. That's how I'm bold about it. I'm bold because it's the word. Y'all see what I'm talking about? I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to please humans anymore. Have you ever noticed when you get older, for those of us who are getting older, like there's this thing, this switch that goes, and like it's called the I care switch. Come on, how many of you have bumped into somebody who's just maybe a little bit older than you, and you're like, do you have that switch? They're like, nope, been turned off. <laughs> right? And so as, I, like, as I've gotten a little bit older, I turned 40 in this little switch thing. And I was like, there's certain things I just don't care about anymore. I want to please my father. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that I live my life according to the boundary lines he set for me. I want my kids to see what it looks like to live with gospel conviction. And the world is blowing and it's shaking and it's turning over. And can I tell you, for me and my house, we are building it on the Lord. There's a rock on which I stand and it will. So shout boundaries. boundaries. Number two, boundaries are outward expressions of inner health. In 3 John, the first four verses, we read this at the beginning of this series. It says, the, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. It's this piece of scripture that we kicked off this series with. And notice that John writes to Gaius and he comments on his ability to have health because of the health that's happening internally inside of him. See, 
Proper boundaries are outward expressions of inner health. See, the health of his inner world allows him to operate with external boundaries that promote outer health as well. The truth is, is that many of us struggle to create healthy boundaries because our inner worlds, our souls are not healthy. And as we've talked about over the past few weeks, they're wounded and ruined. Our ability to define proper boundaries for our lives comes from a strong base of health and wholeness. The healthier I am, the better equipped I am to define healthy boundaries for my life. Well, what happens when I'm not healthy? I think it's an important question to wrestle with. It's in seasons like this that I have found that I have to make really strict boundaries. And oftentimes they're even frustrating to myself because ultimately I know what is needed in order to be healthy and make healthy choices. This is where we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I need the Holy Spirit. When I, when I don't have the inner health that I'm supposed to have, when my soul has gone through it, it's been, it's been the recipient of constant smashing. I need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life to help me make the boundary that I need to make in order to make sure that you stay out of my kitchen. And that stays out of my kitchen. And the problem is, is that some of us are so unhealthy on the inside. And our soul is so distorted and broken, twisted, that we can't make healthy boundaries for ourselves. And then we just sit there and just smash, smash every word, every thought, every feeling, every hit, every critique. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And so when I know that I'm not healthy, I go to God and I say, God, you need to help me with this because I need to create a boundary right now. And I know that I need to. And I don't have the health right now to do so. So I need your strength to make it happen. Yeah. Number three, everybody shout number three. Boundaries are outward expressions of defined worth. Boundaries are outward expressions of defined worth. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight to 10. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to. Can we take a praise break for a second? Anybody thankful that we are saved by grace? You can't do it on your own. Now, show of hands, please no one lie in this service, okay? We're in church, need your help today. How many of you would have something in your life that you would deem as expensive or priceless or worth like great value? Show of hands. You have something, okay? And it doesn't need to be monetary in nature. It can have great sentimental feelings. Show of hands. Put them all up so we know that we're on the same page. Okay, all of us in here. How many of you know you treat that which is priceless and of great worth very different than things you don't care about? Can we all agree on that? This is why boundaries are outward expressions of defined worth. Value is defined as that which someone is willing to pay for something. And scripture is clear that the price was paid for you and me. The scope of God's love and grace should establish our understood worth. And from that position, clear and defined boundaries should be made in order to maintain the health and stature of his workmanship. You are his workmanship. And therefore, there are boundaries around it that define this is of great value. But some of us don't believe that we are of great value. 
Where there is a limited understanding of worth and value, clearly defined boundaries become more difficult to establish. And I believe this is what we are seeing played out in our world today. In his book, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard would write, would highlight a thought that he would ascribe to G.K. Chesterton. He would write this, G.K. Chesterton, good night. (laughs) Chesterton somewhere said that the hardest thing to accept in the Christian religion is the great value it places upon the individual soul. He then follows up with his own observation based on this idea. This is what he writes. Listen to these words because they are insanely powerful. This explains why even in its ruined condition, a human being is regarded by God as something immensely worth saving. Now, hold on. Listen to this. Sin does not make it worthless, only lost. Some of us are running around going, man, I'm not worth anything because of this and because of this and because of this. Can I just tell you, you're worth everything. You're just lost. Right? How many of you know, if you have something that's priceless, it's worth great value, and you can't find it anymore, it doesn't make it worthless. Just makes it lost. Right? Now, I, I, lost, I lost the other day a golf range finder, okay? I left it attached to my golf cart, and then I thought about it. And here's what's crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. I could not sleep. It was actually, it was an expensive gift that Erica gave me. I, so I couldn't sleep, and she's like, I'm not, we're not buying you another one <laughs> at all. That was a lot of money. So the, I, I did it on my day off on Friday, and I couldn't sleep Friday night. And I kid you not, I woke up, the first thing I did Saturday morning was call the golf course. And I was like, do you have my range finder? And the guy's like, nope, nobody's turned it in. And we went through this whole thing and I pressed him on different things. And he was like, man, this guy's pushy. And I'm trying to find my golf finder. So then we were going out. I said, Erica, we need to drive to the golf course. And so we drove to the golf course and I marched right in to the downstairs area where the carts are at. And I'm rummaging through there. And the guy's like, what are you doing in here? I was like, you stay out of my kitchen. And so I was like... (laughs) And I'm rummaging around, and I'm trying to find it, I'm trying to find it, I go up into the clubhouse, and he was like, nope, it's not here, and none of the, I couldn't steal anybody else's, so I went back down to the golf cart area, and I started walking through it again, and I kid you not, this is what happened. Yesterday, as I'm walking out, I'm looking up and down the walls, the counters, the, 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 the things that they had back there to store things on, and, and all of a sudden, I looked, and there was my rangefinder, magnetically attached to the metal garbage can. I'm not lying at all. And I grabbed that thing and the guy goes, how'd you see that? And I was like, I have no idea. It was a work of the spirit. Like what? And I came running out to Erica, like just in like a happiness glee because she knew. And she said to me on the way there, she's like, if you don't find it and you've lost it, you are not allowed to have a bad attitude all day long because she knows how I was going to be gone and everything like that. Changed our entire day. That was a range finder. It was a lost range finder because I knew the value of it because I knew how much it was worth. I did everything in my power to find it. And some of you need to know today that you are not too lost for God and you are still of great worth and you are of a great price and he searches high and low for you because you are worth it.
So we've got to build boundaries that are built from that place. I'm God's workmanship. Number four, boundaries are outward expressions of personal limitations. And I'll invite the team up. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's going to take along Peter and some of the disciples, sons of Zebedee. And he tells some of them to sit over there while I go pray. Verse 37, taking Peter along and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And here's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus, this is a full expression of his humanity. He was tired. He was sorrowful. He was burdened. He was hurting. And so he has some of his disciples stay and and pray over there, but then he brings some others with him. Why? Because Jesus was experiencing limitations in his humanity. He would go back to them and say, couldn't you stay awake for me while I prayed? While he would sweat and bleed and lament. Father, if you have any opportunity to take this away from me, please do. Take this cup from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. Jesus was in a moment of assessing his personal limitations. And here's what we need to hear is that some of us need to assess our personal limitations and build boundaries out of that place. Because some of us are making decisions and doing things because we haven't assessed where we are personally limited. Come on, have you ever been to a men's softball league? There's 40 men expressing personal limitations. It's why hamstring injuries happen in the first seven minutes of a softball game. Why? Because he wishes he was in high school again. One, two, ah! If we would have just assessed your limitations, you would have never been hurt. But come on, here's the truth of our humanities. We always try to go past the line of our limitations. And so boundaries, let me say it this way. Boundaries are not just protections from others. Boundaries are protections from yourself. When you're tired, I hope you have some boundaries around you. When you're frustrated, grieved, I hope you have some boundaries around you. Come on, am I talking to me in church today? When you're wounded, I hope you have some boundaries around you. Because sometimes it's not boundaries needed to protect you from others. Sometimes boundaries are there to protect you from yourself. Sometimes you gotta say to your own self, stay out of your own kitchen. Because you're sitting there smashing yourself. Why? Nobody cares, nobody loves me, I'm a plan, I'm a purpose. You need to get out of your kitchen. You need to step back into a different place. Put some boundaries around you that says no. Boundaries are outward expressions of personal limit. I know where I end. Some of us need to learn how to say no. Come on, there's got to be a better amen than that. Some of us need to learn how to say no. <laughs> One of the smartest theologians to ever live. This is Charles Spurgeon. Regardless of what you think about his theology, he was still a genius. This is what he said. Charles Spurgeon said, learn to say no. It will be of more use to you than being able to read Latin. It's one of the greatest quotes I've ever read. Erica talked about offense last week. Man, what a brilliant message. What a brilliant message. 
And sometimes while you're dealing with offense and forgiveness and restoration, you need boundaries. One of the things that we say a lot is I would much rather love you from a distance than hate you in proximity. And sometimes when I'm working through things, that's a raw, that's, that's raw. Eric and I do it in our own house as a, as a married couple. Sometimes we say, we just gotta stop talking about this right now because we're, you see what I'm saying? So what do we do? We, we set some boundaries, we know our limitations because now we're gonna move into unproductive conversation. Now we're just fighting for the sake of fighting. Why? We're recognizing our limitations. Number five, the last one's this. Boundaries are outward expressions of new life in Christ. Show of hands, how many of you like new things? Come on, I should see every hand. How many of you like new things? Come on. How many of you know you protect new things? A couple years back, maybe, maybe more than that, there was a video that surfaced of a man who was first in line to get the full new redo of the iPhone that was coming out. Everybody was psyched about it. Y'all remember this? And if you don't remember, this is what happens. It went viral. Everybody standing around him, he's standing in line. He comes out of the Apple store and everybody's standing around him, getting ready to watch him unbox this brand new iPhone. And as the video shows, he's all giddy, people around him, like, like photographers and camera people all around him. And he opens up the box. And right when he opens up the box, because of like how those dumb boxes open, takes a crowbar to get your phone out. I'm even talking. He pops it open in the air, pulls the phone, and it pops out, and it goes down to the ground, and it breaks right there. Millions of people watching him. And I laughed. And then I thought to myself, man, he should have got a case. Now we have a principal in our house. Erica won't let me open up my new phone until there's a case sitting right next to it. It goes from box to case, box to case, box to case. And there's four pillows underneath that phone. Why? Because we protect new things. We guard new things. Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 to 32 tells us that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I wanna encourage us today to, to understand this truth right here, is that when you understand the new life that you have in Jesus, you protect it with boundaries. Why? Because it's new life. The old, it says, has passed away, and the new has come. And so I wanna tell the enemy, the devil, who's constantly trying to work about my life and make, stay out of the kitchen. And the situations and circumstances are going to try to pummel me every day. Stay out of the kitchen. And the thoughts that rage war against the new life that I have in Christ, stay out of the kitchen. And the situations and circumstances and addictions that try to take back over my new life, stay out of the kitchen. Come on, somebody. We've got to be the type of people that realize I am made new in Christ Jesus, and therefore you stay out of my kitchen. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I wanna ask you a question. Have you been made new in Christ Jesus? This is what happens when we say yes to the king of the universe. 
The old passes away and the new is put on. And it's because of what he's done, not because of what you've done. As we read, so that no one can boast. And so today I wanna pray a prayer with all of us in here. Maybe you'd say today, man, Jason, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to give him my life so that he can give me a new life. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud so that nobody's left out. And if that's you today, you're saying, man, I I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna follow him. Make this your prayer today. Come on, as loud as you can, repeat these words after me. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, and make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today, I am deciding to follow your way. In Jesus' mighty name.